we doing, traders? How we doing? Welcome to the SPACs attack where we talk everything SPACs. And if you like my SPAC attack, let's go ahead and hit the like button. Let's get started. Let's bring in my man, Chris Ketchy. What's happening, Mitch? How we doing today? What's going on? Finally, the SPACs attack is here. I know, I know. Trust me. I feel the same way. Smash that like button. Let's get started. How we doing, Carl? How we doing everything? Hey, how we doing, Nate? If you're new to the show, say hello. You know, one of the things is we've, we've built up quite a community here, guys. So definitely, if you're new, say hello in the chat. I'm sure you'll get some hellos right back, and we'll definitely give a shout out. But of course, there's some great headlines out there, a lot of stocks moving. So let's go ahead and let's get into our headlines for the day. So definitely, guys, let's get this party started. Let's take us back. All right, guys. Yeah, Monday here on SPAC's Attack. So we do have two new deals announced this morning. Then also lots of headlines to get caught up on from the weekend. So up first, a couple of merger votes that were set last week um, that I want to remind everyone of and add to our calendar. We have DMYD voting on that merger with Genius Sports. That vote has been set for April 16th. We have NGA voting on their merger with Lion Electric, setting a vote date of April 23rd. I do own shares of NGA. So we'll add both of those to our calendar um, for the month of April, which is coming up real fast here. Uh, SFTW, which is one of the uh, space-related SPACs that we've been talking a lot about on the show, merging with Black Sky, um, that company getting a lot of news. So they, of course, talked about those five satellites that they will be launching with Rocket Lab, but then also they shared images of the blocked ship in the Suez Canal from its satellites. So kind of showing off the technology that they have from those satellites from space, how they can pinpoint, you know, with accuracy. Um, so I think that's a, you know, a key catalyst for them going forward, really showing off that technology with an event that obviously the whole world was watching. So keep an eye out on SFPW moving forward. And ALTU, so ALTU has been rumored with Arion, a hypersonic uh, company for a while in a SPAC deal. Um, so a tweet uh, from Arion uh, lists today's date, March 29th, um, implying some news uh, coming from the company. So they did not announce a merger this morning. Um, so maybe we get some news after hours, or maybe we get some news throughout the day today. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean that that SPAC deal will be announced today, but news worth watching from Arion, a company rumored to go public via SPAC. Arrival, uh, new ticker ARVL, uh, getting to ring the opening bell this morning. So again, we talked about this one uh, You know, last week. Uh, they completed that SPAC merger. And then shares were down. Um, this is a electric uh, van and bus company. Um, keep an eye out on this one, you know, on that dip now. Then former SPAC, we have Clover Health. So Clover Health now down 5% today. Some news out from the company. And this actually relates to that short uh, report that was put out by Hindenburg. So Clover has announced that they are um, selling a uh, brokerage firm run by its head of sales. That was part of the allegations uh, from the company that they worked hand in hand. So the uh, head of sales is divesting his stake in the brokerage, B&H Assurance, um, thinking you know that there may be a potential conflict of interest. Um, this was a downline agency that helped um, with Clover Health. So to me, this isn't a great sign that they're um, you know, part of that short report was saying there was a huge conflict of interest. Clover Health came out and said, no, no, there's no conflict of interest at all. And then today we're getting that announcement that they're divesting um, that division that has the connection to one of their executives. So shares down 5% and this one is still in the $7 range. So not a lot more to add um, to Clover at this time. We have PSTH, that's Pershing Square. The Bill Ackman SPAC widely followed, the biggest one out there. Uh, news out today that the company has said they will not announce a SPAC for the first quarter as originally uh, you know, projected. 
Obviously, that quarter set to end in a couple days. So PSTH shares are down on that news um, as they will not come to terms with a uh, merger target in the first quarter. So keep an eye out on PSTH as you may have a buying opportunity on that dip today. Looks like shares down about 3% to 2360 at the current time. We have a couple SPACs on watch tonight, BFT being the big one merging with Paysafe, but Bill Foley set to appear on Mad Money tonight. Um, so he will probably be talking Paysafe and then some of his other SPACs. So keep an eye out on the Bill Foley SPACs as they trade throughout the day today. Um, you know, and we'll see what he has to add on Mad Money tonight about Paysafe and maybe some of those other announced deals or current SPAC searching for targets. On Monday, we had, or on Friday, we had two new deals announced, uh, BOWX with WeWork. Shares ended the day up 20% on that deal announcement. And then we had SV, um, that indoor farming deal. Uh, shares ended the day up 2%. Um, so, you know, both deals announced from Friday getting a positive reaction. Um, and then turning to our, our deals here. So we have uh, Ajax, AJAX, which I do own shares of. Um, they announced a deal with Kazoo. That is the United Kingdom's leading online car retailer with a fast growing presence in Europe. So they see revenue of 698 million euros in 2021. 2.1 billion euros in fiscal 2022. So that roughly translates uh, to 963 million US for fiscal 2021 and 2.9 billion for fiscal 2022, being done at a $7 billion valuation. So Europe's used car market, $700 billion market, less than 2% currently online. So they believe they can use digital transformation to gain market share there. Um, they have a subscription model, uh, brand, and vertical infrastructure in Europe. Um, so it's not just UK. They also have operations in Germany, France, and Portugal. Um, you know, so huge opportunity here for them. Uh, they have over 20,000 cars already delivered in the UK. Um, again, getting close to a billion dollars of revenue this year, which would be up 300% year over year. Um, you know, this one was surprising with the Ajax team, but this one was rumored for a little while. Um, but I'll be watching shares of Ajax today. Again, I do own shares of Ajax. Um, the used car uh, SPACs have not fared as positive. We had uh, SFT Shift and Carlots, L-O-T-Z, both trading under $10 now. So keep an eye out on Ajax to see where we end the day at. And then our other big... Deal this morning, we have ticker CMIIU, so still in units. Um, Soma Logic, a leader in the proteomics field, is going public with CM Life Sciences 2, valuing the company at $1.2 billion. Um, this $375 million pipe includes SoftBank, T. Rowe Price, Illumina, uh, Novartis, and ARC Invest getting in on another SPAC pipe deal. So keep an eye out on this one. Um, company uses artificial and machine learning. They're a leader in their field with over 300 industry partnerships and customers. And they have a pioneering technology platform. So they can measure over 7,000 proteins in a single sample. Um, they say that they offer the only stack able to solve the comprehensive market need. Uh, according to that presentation, they have a first mover advantage, a large customer base, and 10 times the size of, uh, of data than their next largest competitor. Um, they see growth coming from their technology development, new product offerings, expansion of commercial infrastructure, pursuing additional health system partnerships, and delivering universal uh, solutions to more customers. So they call it a $90 billion dollar total addressable market, which compared to 70 billion for the genomics market, which of course we've seen the ARC genomic revolution ETF in that industry get so much attention. But according to this investor presentation, this is an even bigger market. Revenue of 55 million in fiscal 2020. Uh, they see revenue growing at a compounded annual growth rate of 40% over the next five years. 
65 million projected in fiscal 2021, 85 million in fiscal 2022. Um, they also see expanding high margins in the future. So shares of those units were up 12% this morning to around $13. Um, keep an eye out on this one. Again, some big investors behind this. And then also ARC funds um, getting in on this pipe deal. So keep an eye out going forward. And then we turn to our calendar. As I said, we got a couple of vote dates set for the month of April. We have April 1st this week, NPA voting on that merger. And then tonight, we have earnings from three former SPACs. We have tickers BFLY, that's Butterfly Networks, DNMR, Danimer Scientific, and GOEZ, Go Easy is Canoe. So keep an eye out on all these earnings from these former SPACs. That's what I've got for headlines and those two deals, Mitch. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, as you guys can tell, things are moving around here. Let me go ahead and fix my audio here. Barely able to hear you. <laughs> All right. There you go. Fixed. All right. There you go. All right. So let's go ahead and let's get into our watch list for the day, guys. I want to take a look at see what's moving, what's out there. Definitely let us know if anything stands out to you guys and we'll get into that. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into our watch. All right, guys. So as you can see here on our watch list, first up, Ajax here on the left, uh, getting a deal, but still not getting the love we expect to see from these announcements. Um, but let's go ahead and take a look at maybe another stock or two here. Um, seeing BFT, BFT, it's holding on that 15. I don't know what's going to happen after this, you know, when we switch on over. Um, honestly, this one's got me a little bit concerned. I know that a lot of people are stuck in this and just waiting for an up move. But at the same time, it could crack that support and also come crashing down towards that 12. So definitely be careful with that one BFT. But like we said, it's going to be on Kramer tonight. So it could get a little Kramer pump. We'll see what happens here. Uh, Chris, what do you think? That's an important level, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, BFT is one, you know, that's been very popular for a while. Um, you know, when that deal came out, it was widely followed. It's one we get asked about all the time in the chat, right? So very popular one out there. I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are still stuck a little bit above this level. Um, but I'm curious because Bill Foley has, he's done a couple SPAC deals and he has a couple existing SPACs. So the question is, what will be the main topic with Kramer tonight? How long is his segment? Will he be able to talk about each one of his names? Will he have to pick, you know, one to really center on? Is there one that Kramer really wants to hear a lot about? So, you know, we we could see BFT get the, the pump or it could be a completely different spec in the Bill Foley family of things. So, you know, interesting to see. And again, shares are up 3%, probably just based on the fact um, that they will be on Mad Money tonight. So maybe that pump is already built in here. So we will see. Yeah, you know, one thing to to kind of worry about it is, is the thought, you know, are we getting towards the bottom or are we getting towards, let's say, a time where just, they're just going to come out of favor? I think personally we're getting towards the bottom. And one of the things that I've been paying attention to is you're starting to see the hype traders leave the market and with that we can get some balancing out i think you're starting to see the the day traders stop looking at these and with that we might be able to get some levels that start holding on so I, i'm definitely paying attention to it you know one of the things is there's always kind of that craze phase when they go away can we start getting some balancing, some profitability? Actually looking at what I've been looking at is the evaluation phase. Some of these companies that have already switched over and despec, getting some love. So I'm going to be paying attention to those. Um, one of them could very much be that uh, B-Fly. Um, we know how Kathy likes this one, uh, switching over from long view. Um, the question is, when does the evaluation come into play? I think we find out a lot about that with the earnings call. And and then we'll from there we'll be able to take a look at this one and start looking at the evaluation, seeing if they're matching up the stock. 
Yeah, um, what excellent, do you think with that? Ex Chris? Excellent point, Mitch. Um, you know, first on talking about the market, uh, I think the key, you know, is stability, right? Um, let's let's get rid of you know some of the the day trading, some of the hype, those huge pops at four a.m. or six a.m. on these deal announcements. Let 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 investors be able to read those uh, presentations and see if it's a you know deal that they want to be in long term and not have to make that decision on a 30% pop um you know just from the deal being announced so and then also we're seeing less spacs maybe finally enter the market mitch i know you said it on friday it was the first non monday um that had uh, no new spac um, IPOs that day, which is a positive sign. There were actually two that were pulled that were supposed to go public that day. So to me, that's a positive. I do think there's, you know, too many SPACs coming out at too quick of a period that they need to be spread out. We need to get some of these existing SPACs to announce deals. Um, or we're going to see, you know, too high evaluations and we're going to see too many of these SPACs trading under that $10 level, which is not what we want in this market. Um, and then as far as Butterfly goes, yeah, spot on. You know, let, let's get those earnings out. Let's hear from the company um, how they're, you know, going about after completing that SPAC deal. Again, this is a favorite of Kathy Woods in the ARC genomics. Um, you know, it's a portable ultrasound. Um, I want to hear, you know, do they have new partnerships to announce with hospitals? Do they have new technology to announce? You know, how is this platform growing? And what do we have to look forward to Butterfly in the next fiscal year? So that's the one I'm the most excited about from those earnings tonight. But we do have three former SPACs all reporting after hours today. Yeah, you know, we're going to definitely keep an eye on those. There's a bunch moving. I mean, I'm still watching to see what happens in a couple of these plays. Um, there's a there's a couple that are definitely on my radar. Um, one that you mentioned in your headlines that is one that I'm definitely watching, guys. I did some deep research into this company, and I'm going to be coming out with a video probably later on in the week explaining a little bit more in my deep research. But that's Black Sky, guys. And, and, and you guys know how much I am about my contracts and about revenue in these specs. So if you haven't taken a look, Maybe you do some due diligence before I even get out the video. So I wanted to tell you guys a little bit. Uh, check out that black sky. Look in the investor presentation and, and look in the revenue. Tell me what you see. Let me know. Hit me up. Story Investors on Twitter. You know, you, we'll let you know. Um, I'll, I'll also give you a little bit insight uh, how I did a little bit more deeper research into this company by looking at their partnerships and kind of their customers that they have. But it, you mentioned it, Chris. They, they're showing off their technology a little bit there by by showing off their imagery. And I think, you know, it, it was a smart move. What do you think, Chris? It was so smart, right? Talk about good timing. They they just launched that, extra, that uh, additional satellite aboard a rocket lab, um, you know, rocket last week. They already have shared images from that satellite showing how quick they can get into place and really get operations going. They announced that deal with Rocket Lab for five more satellites later this year. Um, you know, and then, yeah, so everyone's talking about the Suez Canal, right? And that ship that's stuck. Uh, all the memes you see and the majority of those pictures are from the ground, right? And we see the pictures of the boat um, stuck side to side. We see that crane that came in, you know, digging in the sand. But then the, the smart companies here like Black Sky are the ones showing the satellite images from above. So then you can really see, you know, how many, um, you know, containers are on that ship. How long is the ship? How is it stuck? Uh, you know, you can see the ships waiting behind it. You can really see the big picture. Um, so to me, that was a key for Black Sky here to really get their name out there um, and maybe pick up some, you know, orders out of this whole ordeal. Um, so, you know, again, good, good marketing and good um, sense of urgency here by Black Sky, in my opinion. Yeah, guys, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll get you guys that video in the next couple of days. But let's go ahead and let's get into the fun time here. Let's get into our interview. I know there's a lot of people waiting for this one. So, Chris, let's go ahead. Let's bring on our guest here. All right, guys. Yeah. So on today's show, joining us is Mike Murphy. He is a financial market analyst and the CEO of Rosecliff Capital. Uh, so welcome to the show, Mike Murphy. 
Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. Uh, coming in hot from Miami. So, um... <laughs> oh, my my hometown, my hometown. I grew up there. So, hey, enjoy the beach. I, I'm missing it over here in the mountains in Colorado, but you enjoy that beach for me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you got one of us from Colorado, and you got me from Michigan, where we actually had some flurries last night. So, you know, Miami definitely sounds a little bit warmer, and you know, like the place to be right now. So, so. So, Mike, let's dive into some questions here. So, um, wondering if first, if you can give our viewers um, some background information on yourself in the financial industry. Sure. So, um, I've been in the financial services industry for about 26 years. Um, I started my first um, firm, which was a registered broker-dealer, trading, small banking, and wealth management company back in 1999, and uh, ran that for about 20 years. Um, post 2008, um, it was probably uh, around 2011, 2012, I started angel investing. And um, that was most, it started out with um, friends and family, people I knew coming to me and saying, I, I have this business, um, if you'd like to invest. Um, after a few years of doing that and meeting some great people along the way, I realized that the returns I had in my angel portfolio were, were great. So I thought about building a business around it. So 2016, we launched uh, Rosecliff One, which was a small $20 million venture capital fund, seed stage fund. And um, we had some great success, luckily. Um, I had a great team that I built behind me, and we were able to invest in some great companies uh, out of that fund. So we saw good success, led us to fund two, which was 75 million. Fund three the next year was north of 200 million. So now as we sit here, we have about 900 million in assets across seven different funds. And we invest in private companies throughout the entire life cycle from pre-seed out to pre-IPO. So we're involved in the company every step of the way, which I think is a big advantage to us. Back um, about the end of last summer during the pandemic, I had four or five of our portfolio companies that came to me and said, you know, we've been approached by a SPAC. What do you think? So looking at what a SPAC was then or what a SPAC is now, you know, I thought it is a great exit opportunity for the right business, for the right company, if it's the right SPAC. And I also thought with all of the companies that I meet through my firm on a weekly basis, that it would be great to have that vehicle ready for the right time and take the right company, private company, into the public markets. So. I said, though, I'm a big believer in team. I'm a big believer in investing in the people behind the company. So I said, if I was going to do this, I would want to do it with a team I would invest in, a team I believe in. So I went to three of my friends, um, guys who I'd known for years. Um, one was Jordan Zimmerman, who's a self-made multi-billionaire marketing and advertising guy. And um, then I went to a friend, Kieran Goodwin, who I've probably known for going on 12, 13 years now, who um, was the head trader at King Street, a $23 billion hedge fund. And then he launched his own um, $2.5 billion um, distressed credit hedge fund a few years after retiring from King Street. Last and definitely not least was um, a guy named Brian Radecki. Um, Brian has great operational experience coming from, uh, he was the CFO at CoStar, for 17 years. Um, when Coast, he started at CoStar at about 20 million. Um, he left at about 25 or $30 billion. Um, so he had done a lot of um, acquisitions with his public stock um, and integrated a lot of companies into um, CoStar's growing business. So I thought, man, if these three guys saw my vision and wanted to do this, I think we could really make a difference. That's a team I would want to bet on. And luckily they did. And um, Rosecliff Special Acquisition Corp. One was formed. Uh, we started trading about uh, four or five weeks ago. Um, and it's been an interesting four or five weeks, but we've met some great companies along the way. Awesome. So before we dive into that um, SPAC of yours, I, I know you've invested in several private companies. Um, one of them actually announced a SPAC deal not too long ago. So Wheels Up. Um, so Wheels Up is going public with uh, ticker ASPL. Uh, can you give our viewers kind of the thesis behind, the, you know, investing in Wheels Up? What's the growth look like? And, you know, was it smart of them to get a SPAC deal to go public, um, you know, at this stage in their life? Uh, yep. So, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago that I really believe in investing in team. And, um, you know, the founder of Wheels Up is a guy named Kenny Dichter. Um, Kenny and I have been friends for a very long time. 
Um, I was um, actually involved with um, a few earlier deals that uh, Kenny was involved with, um, Marquis and Avion Tequila. So I've seen Kenny build wheels up from day one. We were first money into the company. Um, and so the team that he's from what he started seven or eight years ago to what it is today is just, it's been a phenomenal growth story. Um, the team he's built around. I think it was a right time for them to go um, public through a SPAC. So I, I think so many, he, his big story is the democratization of private aviation, or he wants to create the Uber for the sky. And the partnership that he put together with Delta really gives him that opportunity because now people, um, top level Delta flyers can use their frequent flyer miles on wheels up and vice versa. And if you look at the SPAC that he did, you know, um, I think it, it, he probably had several offers on the table, but I think that he strategically or his team strategically decided um, to go with these guys because of their experience in luxury goods brands and also their experience in Asia, which could be a, a huge growth sector for Wheels Up. So although the stock hasn't traded well since the announcement, uh, it, it's a long-term story and the pipe investors that he has in there um, are investors that have been along the ride with him for a very long time. They're people who believe in him, believe in his team and believe in the long-term story. So yes, it was the right time. Yes, it was the right partner. And um, I expect a lot. One, once that ticker flips over to UP, um, I expect a nice move by Wheels Up. Awesome. Yeah. And great ticker there of them to grab UP. We talk about tickers sometime on the show. Uh, that's part of the fun here with some of these SPACs is you're able to, you know, ha ha go from that SPAC ticker that not a lot of people know to all of a sudden, you know, a, a ticker where it really describes your business. So UP wheels up here. So so let's dive in then, you know, you, you had some of these private investments and then you launched a SPAC. So we have Rosecliff Acquisition Corp. One, so still trading as units, RCLFU. Can you walk us through this SPAC and kind of the target areas that you're looking for um, with a merger deal here? Sure. So, in, you know, back, back to the team again, I think the low-hanging fruit here for us is consumer tech. Um, but when we, I, I use that term very broadly, um, consumer tech, obviously direct to consumer, um, Aside from that, there's also fintech. There's also um, insurance tech. There's also health, health tech or telemedicine, if you will. There's also just straight software deals. So when we say consumer tech, we're looking at it in a very broad sense in that anything that you, the, the consumer, would be sitting at home and using. So it, it's, it's not narrow, but that's by design because, again, we meet a lot of different companies in a lot of different sectors. But the one thing that all of the companies we're speaking with um, will have in common. It's that it's a team that is, it's a great private company run by a great team that looks at me and my team and says, hey, I wanna partner with those guys because they can obviously take us to the public markets, but then looking out five years, they can help us become a 15 or 20 or $25 billion company with their expertise in marketing or expertise in um, public market financials or expertise in dealing with Wall Street and getting the right analyst coverage. So it, it's going to be a team that believes in us as much as we believe in them. And we're looking at a true partnership and not a pop to 12 or 13 on, on an announcement, but really long-term differentiated company um, that five years out can be worth a lot more than where it is today. Awesome. So, you know, you hinted at it with wheels up a little bit, not trading, you know, as well after the deal. You just said, you know, with your own SPAC, you know, focusing on that long-term um, plan with whatever company you acquire. So obviously SPACs, huge story in 2020. We saw these huge 21 you know, we're getting more normalized um, around that $10 level. Uh, you know, what's your overall thoughts on the SPAC market for 2021? You know, do, do we have too many SPACs out there? Are, are we going to see, you know, some not complete deals? What, what is it going to take to maybe bring some more stability to the SPAC market um, that we had in 2020? Um, yeah, I, I think you're going to have some bad deals. I think you're going to have some deals fall apart. I think you're going to have some SPACs fail. Um, but so make 
are there too many? You know, I'll, I'll say, quote Bill Parcells when they asked him if he was, his team was better than eight and eight with the Giants. He said the record doesn't lie. So we have as many SPACs out there now, 600 or so. Um, so that that's where we are. Um, but now there will they will be chasing companies. So there'll be some deals that are done that aren't priced correctly. So some of these things as an investor at home, you can't just buy a, a SPAC because it's a SPAC any more than you can just buy an IPO because it's an IPO. There'll be some public markets and there'll be some failures. And, and to me, you know, 20, 26 years in the public markets, um, that's the way it's always been. And that, that's the way it should be. But I think the reset that we've seen here recently is actually very healthy um, because now looking at most SPACs priced around the $10 range, you know, it, it's a, it's getting away from the hype that was there where people were chasing companies, individual investors for the most part, were bidding up um, certain SPACs on the idea or hint or rumor of who they may merge with. And ultimately, that that's not an, a game that I think investors, individual investors are going to win. Um, so really, you guys were touching on it earlier, that investing in a SPAC is just like investing in a a microchip company or a grocer or, you know, pick, pick a, a company, pick a sector. It, it's really investing in a company that's going to um, hit their fundamentally hit or exceed their projections that they've given to Wall Street. So it, it's the, the hype, I think, can, if anything, can hurt people because it can get them into a situation where they're chasing things based on the hype and the FOMO, fear of missing out, rather than actually fundamental. So I think long story short, though, you have a lot of very talented uh, people with a lot of great experience in the SPAC market. So I think it's going to be a great conduit, a great, great mechanism for private companies to um, come to the public markets where people can invest in them. Awesome. So, you know, you you saw Wheels Up, one of the companies that you invested in, go, go public via SPAC. You were an investor in um, Casper um, that went public, you know, a traditional IPO um, you know, I'm guessing on a case by case basis, but you as an investor in, in some of these private companies, you know, how do companies, you know, look to weigh the pros and cons of a potential traditional IPO versus a SPAC? What what are the benefit the benefits in your eyes? And you know, how do companies look at that behind the scenes? Yeah, so I, I think some of them just simply some founders believe that hey, I'm a strong founder, strong means traditional. So I'm going the traditional IPO route. I, I'm we're, we're better than a spec. Um, you know, I, I think that that's some people are going to have that mindset. But as SPACs have become more and more mainstream here recently, I think people are realizing that it can be a faster process. And for companies that are in the high growth stage, um, they get the benefit by going through a SPAC. You know, you can talk about your projected earnings. You can talk about your earnings for next year, the following year, the year after that. Whereas the traditional IPO, you're talking about your earnings you've already booked. So for companies and, you know, we, we can talk EV, electric vehicle sector for one, um, you know, they, they've talked a lot about projections and that's been able to get them valuations through the SPAC market that they would never have gotten through the traditional IPO market. Now, there are going to be some electric vehicle companies that fail, that don't do well, in my opinion. There are going to be some that are a rocket ship and, and be, you know, look to compete with Tesla or have Tesla type returns. So investors are trying to bet on which ones are going to be the winners and which ones are going to be the losers. But um, I, I think for the most part, if a company can, you're going to start to see founders weigh traditional IPOs and SPACs a, a, in, in a different way, meaning that some may see a value in going public through a SPAC versus a traditional IPO, and it, not simply on the projections, but it could be over time, it could be um, for the support that comes with it. So, And it could just be that now they are accepted a lot more. You know, it's only a few years ago where SPAC was a four-letter word for the most part. And now it's um, it's becoming a lot more mainstream as you see more great companies hit the markets um, through a SPAC. Perfect. Guys, again, we're joined here by Mike Murphy. He's the uh, financial market analyst and also the CEO of Rosecliff Capital. So the SPAC from Rosecliff Capital, we have RCL. 
RCLF in units right now. I do notice that at the end of the name, of course, Rosecliff Acquisition Corp. One, um, is that strategic? Are we going to get more SPACs, you know, from this uh, f- family of Rosecliff here? You know, I, I think just being uh, as transparent as I can be, I, I would say yes, that's in the in the plans for the future. And the reason for that again is that you know I thought about when we put this team together. I thought that we could put together a team that could really help great private company teams become great public company teams. And now that we're in the process of doing it, I'm certain we can. So um, I, I think I would I would love to do more SPACs for, yes, it, it's a lucrative um, proposition for us as uh, the sponsors, but also it, it's a great opportunity to take a private company and really help them become a public company, help them become a great public company that we can talk, be talking about as a you know, potential S&P 500 business in five or 10 years down the road. So that, that is really motivation for us to keep doing what we're doing now. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in here with a question of my own. So one of the things that I've been noticing is how specs kind of have gotten uh, smaller and smaller in size. Um, do you think that in the long run, it is because of the actual supply out there for companies that are they're able to acquire? Or do you think this is just a, a matter of just kind of a, a wave in the supply and demand and, and we should see it kind of pick up? I think both, um, you know, so they started out from, from my seat, they started out small and just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that, that was more of that, Hey, I'm better than those guys. They did 200. Let me do 250. And then the next guy wants to jump to three and then we're up at 750 or billion dollars. Um, just because you can, you can do it. You know, you're showing that you can actually raise more money than the next guy. So we, we went from there and then the pendulum swung in the other direction and we're getting smaller deals. But one thing, we've seen the pipe market really slow down a lot over the course of the last few weeks. And if you're going to do a deal where you have access to a, a very robust pipe market, whether you have a $200 million SPAC or a $500 million SPAC, it doesn't really make a difference because as long as you have the pipe investors behind you, it, it actually, you could argue it's a better deal for a company to have a smaller SPAC up front and less dilution and a larger pipe on the back end. So, um, you know, I think it, it's just a sign of the times. You know, I, I'm sure they will flip back the the other direction at some point too. Um, but I think the the one kind of un- underlying premise here is, you know, a lot of times we hear about um, you know SPAC bubbles or you know SPACs overheating or you know too many SPACs. And you know, I, I'm I'm not uh, could be, but there are going to be great businesses that come to the public markets via SPACs. Um, and there's not going to be one, there's not going to be two, there's going to be several. So I think that that's really, I, I think it's a great, it's only a few years ago where I was on television talking about how there were so many large deals happening in the private markets, Uber, Lyft, um, SoftBank coming in and writing these big checks that no one would go public until they were $50 billion businesses. And Therefore, the individual investor at home was missing out on owning uh, the upside in these great companies. You know, back in the 80s, when you had companies like Oracle and Microsoft and Apple go public, they would usually go public at around a $100 million market cap. So you as an individual investor could invest and partake in the upside of these companies. Whereas um, now when you move forward, these so many companies were staying private longer because they could get the large $5 billion round done and they didn't have to go public. Well, now things as they tend to do have shifted the other way. So it's no longer staying private too long. It's now the argument is too many companies coming public and maybe coming too soon. Could, could be, but um, you know, it, that you're always going to have on, in the markets, you're always going to have excess one way or the other. And, and it's really, I think, if for investors, if they take a long-term approach to this, they're going to have some great opportunities. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You know, one of the things is, you know, you, you are getting a chance to look out into future growth companies, you know, with some opportunities that we just don't get. And if we do get it, like you, like you mentioned, we get it at, at such a high premium that it usually knocks out their 
the usual everyday retail investor. And so definitely that's on my watch. Um, just to kind of clarify for our viewers out there, Michael, what, what is the market cap in, in your spec? 250 million, 253 to be exact. Perfect. Perfect. I just wanted to give everyone out that information here. Um, the last thing I have is definitely, you know, I, I'm going to be keeping an eye on these. You know, one of the things that I like to do is I, I put the SPACs in different uh, kind of baskets, sometimes in a long term, sometimes in a hype basket. You know, one of the things that I think you're mentioning is, you know, that we're starting to see a lot more that you that long term basket is getting bigger. And if you really start looking at the revenues, over time, and especially the growth, let's say if you're looking out towards, let's say 2024, 2025, you can really have a possibility to grab a, a great growth company here at a cheap evaluation. Exactly. A absolutely. And and really, it that to me is the way it should be. And really, as a company, you need to execute. So I, I want to bet on the team. I want to bet on the company. And if you don't execute in, in the public markets, you know, it could be if Apple misses their earnings or lowers their guidance, the stock's going to get hit. And it should be the exact same way for a SPAC as it would be for an IPO. Um, so you have an opportunity. But, you know, realize when you're investing in a company that's a two or three billion dollar market cap, it comes with a lot more risk than investing in a two trillion dollar market cap. So but along with that risk, you're, you're betting on the upside, you're betting on the reward. So uh, just the only thing I don't like for individual investors is the hype. You know, I, I think that the hype that comes around names and you get a pop a lot of times I think that comes with an inevitable holding of the bag. Somebody, you know, there's there's one person left without a seat. And I don't think that's necessary for people. You, you said earlier, do your homework. If people do their homework and look at companies and they're investing in high growth stories in high growth sectors that are meeting and exceeding their earnings expectations, they don't need the hype. They're going to do better if they do that um, than, than trying to chase the next hot thing because you heard someone talking about it um, uh, online somewhere so definitely would have to agree with you you know that's one thing that we definitely have been mentioning is that you know if you really look into the kind of the invested deck look into their revenues look at their projections see if these projections can kind of match up really um kind of what you see could actually being uh coming forth in the next couple of years and then also one thing that we've mentioned often and we mentioned this is is look for those contractual or reoccurring revenues because that's what's really going to stand out in, in the financials yes for sure the money the money definitely helps it does definitely doesn't hurt right <laughs> well right, awesome well, awesome mike we enjoyed your commentary here um you know i saw a couple people in the chat you know talking about that wheels up deal so ticker aspl um but we're excited to to hear more you know from rosecliff acquisition corp in the future so you know when that deal is announced if you want to come on our show let us know what company you're acquiring and why you're doing it we'd love to have you back on, um, you know, to hear more about that. So again, Mike Murphy joining us from Rosecliff Capital. That's RCLFU, still trading as units. Make sure you go check out that SPAC. So thank you, Mike, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on SPACs Attack. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Definitely. See you again. All right, guys. Hey, you heard it once again on the SPACs Attack. Go ahead Give me that thumbs up, smash the like if you got some value out of there. And one thing that I'd like to mention is that, you know, he doesn't have that company right now. And so you see how he was approaching him. And when we talked about revenues, that, that's kind of like what he was looking at also. Think about what he's talking about here, guys. He's talking about a lot of things that you, you as an investor need to start thinking. The long term in the approach, the long term in the company that he's trying to acquire. It doesn't need to be a 100% knockout home run this year. It just needs to have some growth potential so that investors can see that potential in the long run. Yeah, you know, Mitch, my, my favorite thing from this interview and from this SPAC was you you have Mike here who is a investor and he invests in every stage along the way of the company. So, you know, when he talked about Wheels Up, they were one of the first investors in that company. So, so we talk about SPACs, we talk about valuation, we talk about not overpaying, but this is a guy who knows how to value companies based on what stage in their life they are at. So I think that brings extreme value um, to this SPAC and getting a deal done. What do you think, Mitch, um, you know, with that investment strategy? 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, we just got to keep an eye on what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. You know, uh, some people have called the bottoming action. Some people have called that SPACs are just dead. I can tell you right now, that doesn't make sense. For it to be dead, that would mean there'd be no money. And the money is still there. The question is, where are the winners and what are the losers? Now we actually have that question. Before, we that question didn't exist. It just didn't exist, guys. And there was a point in time where you could have grabbed just about any SPAC that made a rumor announcement, and it went up 40%, 50%. Now just isn't the case anymore. And so with this being said, the strategy needs to change, like Chris is mentioning here. And with that strategy being changed, you need to look at it. Look at the, some data. Look how the change is. Look at maybe uh, companies that have de-spec'd maybe in 2020, 2021. We talked a lot about them on our match SPACness, and I'm looking forward to continuing that. So definitely stick around, guys. Tomorrow we'll be getting right back into our March SPACness and working our way into the final four. But, hey, like we said, guys, Watch for the data. Look at the change. One thing I've noticed is the the announcement pop just isn't the same anymore, even with the rumors. So what I'm looking for more now is, like was mentioned, is the evaluation phase, the ones de-spec, the ones that have some revenues, some ones that report earnings so that I can go off of it. If I don't got no earnings, then, I mean, what are you doing? You're just guessing. And, and, and that's what I realized Right now, it's turned out to be not the guessing game anymore and more about the financials, meeting with the technicals. And and, uh, that's another thing. You know, you can't just buy them off the highs anymore. you got to be timing these correctly. Perfect. So, you know, Mitch, you know, segueing from that interview, you know what we didn't get to in headlines that I think we should probably talk about since we were talking about it all last week. Well, 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 I, I, I think it has a feeling to do with this. All right, guys, let's talk ArcSpace ETF, new ticker ARKX. We'll start trading tomorrow. Um, you heard me talk about it last week. I even had an article out over the weekend, too, of nine potential space SPACs that could be included in that ETF. But guess what? Wrong. Only one of those SPACs was included. The, this ETF took a different turn of events. Um, in my eyes, it's it's not going to be a pure play space ETF as I and I think others thought it was going to be. It's going to be innovation as well. It's going to be companies that can benefit um, from connections in space. So, uh, you know, just want to throw this out here for you guys so you can see it. Um, you know, and the, the surprise here for me also is the second largest holding in this ETF is actually the 3D printing ETF, PRNT, which is another ARC ETF. So rather than owning direct shares of, you know, desktop metal or some of those other 3D printing, you have just the entire holding of 3D printing. So there are only three SPACs in this ETF. So we have a former SPAC, Virgin Galactic, that's ticker SPCE, which I own right there at number 20. Um, so it is, yeah, I mean, number, number 22% of assets. 672 shares there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 2% of assets. So rather a surprise because she owns Virgin Galactic and one of the other, um, you know, ETFs and John Doe, I see your comment, of course, why Netflix? That was my question. Why Netflix? Why Amazon? Why Google? The, the answer is, uh, in the description, it says companies that can benefit from connectivity. So when you think of people getting internet, possibly from space, you can see how some of these internet companies could benefit. I, I think it's about a, a bit of a stretch personally. And then if you go all the way down to the holdings, there's two more SPACs at the bottom. We have Atlas Crest, ACIC taking a uh, um, Archer Public, that's a electric vertical takeoff and landing company. And then number 39, reInvent RTP, um, which is taking uh, what Joby Aviation Public. So another electric vertical takeoff and landing. Um, 
And then, you know, Workhorse is in here because they have a drone division. Um, Ruel, I see your comment. Why not HOL or NPA? That's a great question. I, I, I would love to personally ask Kathy, why no HOL? Why no Rocket Lab? Why no Black Sky, right? SFTW that Mitch is going to do that video on, you know, satellites in space. Talk about connecting people, um, you know, and then, you know, Max R, which isn't a SPAC, Mitch, you know, that's one we've talked about before. Max R is nowhere to be found in here. Um, you know, Momentus, SRAC is not in here. And then the the new one, GNPK, which is a space infrastructure company, um, they're not in this either. The thing I'll note is this holdings is from March 26th. So it is from last week. It will go public tomorrow. Maybe we see a shakeup. Maybe we see some additions. There's 39 holdings listed here. The, the main page says that they're going to hold between 40 and 55 companies. So obviously, do your math, 39 is less than 40. Um, so maybe we see some other companies added. But as today stands, the, this is going to be the holdings for ticker ARKX. Mitch, I rambled on a little bit. What's your thoughts on this uh, ETF from uh, ARK Funds and, and Kathy Wood? Well, 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 guys. I'm going to go here with my man, Keith. Is it concerning that the second biggest, largest holding is their own ETF? This is very, very, this, this red flags all over it, guys. Red flag. Ding, 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 ding. You don't do that. I'm going to let you know that right now, guys. I think in the long run, I'm going to call it here. If Kathy Wood blows up, it might be because of this ETF. I'm just going to say, I got no ball. I, I ain't scared of saying it. She's going to blow up sooner or later, I think, with these strategies. I, I just don't see how you can be buying your own ETF as the second major holding. And then what happens when that 3D printing ETF goes sideways? What happens, guys? This one goes down too. And so I, I think at the end of the day, she, this is as bubble creation as you can get. Um, one of the things that I do see that she does try to save herself in, and that's what she's including these other names like NVIDIA, Deer, Amazon. You know what that is? That's, that, that's, that's called uh, balancing. That's called portfolio balancing. And, and so the, what that does is that starts killing what they call the market systematic risk. And that's what she's doing here. She's trying to take the systematic risk out of this and then grab some high growth names and then try to get the, the ETF to move up here. And so that's what I think she definitely targeted here. She tried to get um, some marketing balance. Um, it, it, you know, I've learned a little bit about this when I went to school, um, but it, it, it's something that you have to do calculations almost every single day for you to be on top of this. And so that's, that's my concern. You know, it, it, what, what is this really? I mean, what this is, what, it, it's a balanced portfolio with a couple names that have some growth and innovation long-term. That's all it is, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. not the space ETF we thought it was going to be. That's the thing. Where Where's the space at, right? So Wendy's, the old commercial was, where's the beef, right? That old lady, you know, got on and said, where's the beef? Kathy, where, where's the space, right? And I, I'm a fan of Kathy Wood. I, I like the ARC funds, but to me, it would have made more sense maybe to add space companies to the existing ARC Innovation ETFs. But here you are launching a, a space ETF and, and I can pull up, you know, I don't have the fund holdings in front of me, but there's there's a space ETF already out there, ticker UFO. If you look at their holdings, it's gonna be a lot more pure play, right? It's got, you know, Boeing, Lockheed Martin in the top holdings. Um, I think Virgin Galactic's in there. It also owns all the satellite companies, right? Maxar, uh, Iridium, um, you know, and other ones. Uh, yeah, someone saying LMT in the chat, John Doe, Harris. Yeah, you know, I, I, it just, it shocked me this morning when I saw the fund holdings and, and that was the route we went. And again, you know, as the name implies and as her description says, she, she's perfectly able to go that route because she's saying space and innovation and, and she's justifying why she's doing it. So it's not that she's not following her own strategy. I just don't understand the, the strategy here. And I was really hoping 
for a pure play space ETF. I do own several space backs in my own portfolio, but I would have loved to be able to invest in a pure play space ETF. So to me, maybe I'm going to look at UFO instead because Mitch, you and I have talked about space. I see it as a huge growth market. And, you know, I know you're all about, you know, the satellites, the companies with contracts. I, I want that. I also want some exposure to maybe the space travel um, because I think, you know, that can grow too. But yeah, satellites, right? And I, you want to talk connectivity from space and, you know, Netflix and all this. Why is NPA not included? The 5G from space company. I, I think when they connect and they have that partnership with Vodafone to bring, you know, 5G to emerging markets. Talk about Netflix and, you know, Amazon being able to gain more subscribers when they can get 5G in emerging markets to help their subscriber growth. I mean, I, I'm shocked that one's not included as well. So um, that's what I've got to say, guys. Again, we talked this ETF last week. We were fully prepared to talk about a bunch of space facts you know, that we're included. And instead, here's where we're at. There's three SPACs in here. And, you know, again, they're all at position 20 or below. So not even that heavy in here. So surprising move to, to say the least. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to figure it out. We're going to have to reach out to Kathy, try to get an answer here, because at the end of the day, it just doesn't make sense for the investors out there. You know, there's a whole lot of investors out there that were really waiting on this space ETF, trying to make investing decisions prior and trying to get some of these specs like NPA, uh, HOL. There's so many Rocket Labs, so many opportunities here that we thought were going to be included in this ETF and just were cut out. And so the question is, will they get picked up in the next couple of days? Or will just this, this kind of be the strategy here? And, and the, there's a couple that definitely interest me. I mean, the fifth, the fifth one here, JD.com, trying to buy China on the cheap. Um, you see it also later on. Um, what's the other name? There was another. Oh, Tencent Holdings there. 32nd one there. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, she, she's playing some value game here and some growth game. There's, there's a little bit of mix, but it doesn't, if I read the top again, that's when you'll start being like, well, well, well this doesn't make sense. But hey, yeah, that's why again, we don't run ETFs. Again, guys, if you look at the date on there, it does say March 26th. Um, this is straight from the ARC website, guys. This this is from ARC Funds. Uh, this is not a doctor document at all. The thing I am seeing, some people say on Twitter, is that there's some placeholders possibly on this list. So there is a chance that maybe Kathy didn't want to get front run um, on some of the names in the ETF, which that would be a unique strategy as, you know, she's very transparent, puts her trades out there, you know, in that daily email. So I, I'm I'm interested to see if this late list changes at all tomorrow, um, if we see a dramatic change or if, if this is the list. So maybe that 3D printing ETF in position number two, maybe that ends up just being a placeholder. But guys, this is from the ARC website. So as of now, that that's what it says. Um, so we're just going based off of that information. But I, I'd be happy to be proven you know, wrong and that maybe this list does have some placeholders and maybe we see one of these bigger names take a higher position. But again, just going by the list we have out there in front of us. Yeah, it just kind of shows me and, and it kind of worries me in the long term. What's going to happen with this market? How long do we got the up move for? Where's the growth names? Um, is growth coming back? We are seeing the market bounce um, from that 393 back up there, almost the 395s. Um, the question is, uh, are we in kind of this melt up where we're going to just rip on back and the SPACs games are going to come back and, and we're just going to get a big move or are we going to get a downturn and we're going to get kind of the inflation hit market come down and we kind of go into sideways period for a certain amount of time. Um, it's going to be interesting because we've been playing the game back and back and forth, whether we're going up or down. So, well, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye out now. It, it looks like it's time for the power hour. I see them getting ready. You already know, Chris, what's going on? 
What's up with Power Hour today? Yeah, guys, so stick around again. We've got Benzinga content all day long. So I'm excited. We got Power Hour coming up. They always put on such a great show. We got Hot Stocks Luke here. They've got some exciting guests. I know they have Bull Trade Finder coming on today. Um, so, you know, we'll be hearing more from them. But of course, Luke will be sharing real-time trading ideas. Maybe he'll even be able to talk that ARK Space ETF and we can get his opinion on that as well. So you guys don't want to go anywhere. You want to stick around. And I heard Spencer saying earlier, we, we've got content going so late tonight, Mitch. I don't know if you know what time the content ends. I know Ruel has a show tonight at seven. Um, so this show is just getting longer and longer, right? So content from 8 a.m. with pre-market prep all the way into the night. So stick with Benzinga. Smash the like if you have not already. Make sure you subscribe and just stick around all day long to hear from some of the you know best that Benzinga has to offer. All right, guys, like Chris said, we're going to be having content running all the way until 9 p.m., so definitely stick around, guys. This is where we're at. Hit the like, hit the subscribe down below. 